This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to worship here at Holland UCC. Great to have you with us today. We celebrate our five-year anniversary slash birthday. Where does the time go? It's hard to believe it's already been five years, and this morning we're going to take a little time to share some memories, some joys, some reflections on where we've come from, where we are, and where we're going. We've got coffee back today, first time since before the pandemic, so that's exciting. We've got some snacks and some cake. Thank you, Alan and Sherry, and it's going to be a joyful morning. So we're so grateful to have you with us here at 4393, and folks who are tuning in, welcome as you join us for our five-year anniversary service. Well, as we've been saying for the past five years, we are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation where everyone is welcome to the table. We believe that whether you are black or white, young or old, rich or poor, gay or straight, you are a beloved child of God and welcome here in this space. Well, this morning, uh, in addition to all the celebration, we'll explore the story of a widow who gave everything she had. And we'll spend some time reflecting together on the nature of gift. As we're settling in here this morning, I invite you to get comfortable in your seat. Maybe lean back just a bit, feel the support beneath you. Perhaps close your eyes and I invite you to take a deep breath in. Breathing in the freshness and joy of this new day. And exhale. Breathing in hope and possibility. And breathing out. As we continue in our mindful breathing this morning, we ring this meditation bowl, which reminds us of the deep peace of God. take uh, a moment to share some memories, some thoughts, some reflections on the past five years, and maybe you were here for five weeks of that, or five months, or, or several years. Uh, in whatever capacity you've been with us, uh, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and reflections. Um, you know, just a, a brief uh, recap of, of where and how we got started. Uh, Christy and I moved back to the Holland area in 2014 uh, from 
Washington DC and reconnected with some old friends, met up with some new friends, and uh, many of us had been on a journey in our faith where we just didn't quite fit in the circles and the traditions that had raised us. We kind of felt an expansion happening within our hearts, and, and as we looked at scripture, we wanted to wrestle with it in new ways. We wanted to ask questions and not be shut out or shunned for that. We wanted to uh, seek justice together. We wanted to be a place where people were welcome, no matter who they loved, how they identified, or where they were on their journey. And as we met up with a few friends uh, connected to the UCC and Douglas and Hudsonville and elsewhere, we really, as we learned more about the UCC, just felt a pull and a draw to the United Church of Christ and what that meant and represented. And we realized there's not a UCC in Holland. And we began to wonder, well, could there be? And this is our third church start together. And when we had moved back here, we kind of thought, maybe we're done with that whole new church start thing. Uh, but God continued to lay it on our hearts that uh, the time was right to start a new UCC community here in Holland. And so we started meeting a small group for meals in Scott and Judy's uh, house and some of you were there for that and that just continued to grow and we initially started meeting first Sunday I want to say November 6 2016 at the Holland Area Arts Council we met there for at least a couple of years uh, before we moved over to the Civic Center and then we moved online because of a pandemic and now we're here at port 393 so it's been a journey and an adventure and many things happening in between but if there's something that strikes you as just something you're grateful for or a memory, feel free to uh, share that. And folks online, the same. Yeah. Thank you. All right, you guys are gonna have to bear with me because I, I might get a little weepy for this. <laughs> but um, I joined in end of July uh, this year, during a really rough time in my life, and I've never felt so supportive, and I've never felt comfortable in an organized religion until I found this space. And I'm just so grateful for everybody here. It's been so fantastic. So thank you all for being awesome. Well, we're so glad you're here. else a thought, reflection, memory? Well, I actually moved to Washington, D.C. in 2014 as <laughs> <laughs> Christy left um, to pastor a church very near where they used to live. But um, I remember hearing about this church starting when I was still out there. And I just remember, and I had no intention of being in Holland at that point in time, but I just remember being so grateful and so thankful that there was going to be a UCC here in Holland where having grown up in the area, I just knew there was a place. So I stopped y'all for a couple years um, <laughs> on Facebook. I reached out to Christy at one point because during, during your campaign and I said, I know I'm not a member, but I'm still here because I want to see what's happening and I want to support you however I can. And she's like, oh, that's okay. There's a lot of retired pastors here. <laughs> and there are. But um, when we retired and came here, I was so thankful to find 
this community, which for a pastor has healed my heart, has reminded me about the importance of worship and community and being together and the fact that we are all here and we are all beloved. So I am just, even though I joined online, so thankful to be able to be here and to know that that Holland UCC is, is here. So from a stalker to a member. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. in 2016 after the election uh, my wife Kayla went to a peace demonstration on the bridge saw Ryan speaking um, we had just moved to Holland recently and didn't think there was a church that really fit our values anymore we had both spent our whole lives in the church and had gone away from it um, and upon my wife's encouragement we visited for the first time and found an incredible faith community that was like minded and felt us made us feel like we at a home in the church again. So we've been coming on and off for five years. We have a seven-month-old baby at home, and it's her nap time. So, <laughs> But um, I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy that we found this group of people that we can share our values and our time with. Awesome. Thank you, Corey. church member elsewhere and the church closed seven or eight years ago so my wife and I joined the Church of the Nomad which we just kind of floated various places and didn't find anywhere where we stuck really and uh, mostly because there wasn't a place that accepted my whole family and uh, my son and his husband uh, struggle with the history they've had in the church and they're welcome to you. And so uh, Brian and Christy have been involved in their lives, even though they do live in D.C. There's some connection. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, thanks so much for this uh, community where we can be all God's made us to be. Thank you, Jeff. memory, reflection, word of gratitude. Yeah. It was fun for me to see the church from the outside, the institutional side, um, uh, as part of the association that was involved with uh, bringing the Pat Bryan and then the church uh, along and accepting them and just the celebration. So we were so happy that, you know, that the church was here in Holland uh, and so much valued uh, what they brought to not only Holland but you know the wider, the wider United Church of Christ and the, and the whole association. And then having retired, and um, it's wonderful to experience it from from the inside. And um, you know, being the church that uh, many of us in the ministry hope the church is. And so I uh, really appreciate it from from both sides. And thank you all. Those of you who were here from the beginning and those who you know, added on, and of course, Brian and Christy and family for, you know, making this place happen. Awesome. Thank you, Doug. So glad you and Colleen are a part of it. Yeah. Well, 
I kind of came to UCC by way of a composting workshop at UCC in Douglas. Uh, yeah, and in the meantime, David and I saw posters around town in JPs for the UCC here in Holland. I'm thinking, you know, we need to check this out. But anyway, I just love you all, and I just appreciate your presence, and it's been a little touch and go with the virus, and in and out, and back and forth, and what's your name again, and where do I remember you from, but I just, I'm just so comfortable here. And I also like logistically how we travel light. Maybe someday we'll have our own building, I don't know. But I just like the way we keep it simple and how kind of our life involves getting off our butts and going out there instead of huddling here in little committees where you get weighed down and you don't, sometimes you really don't accomplish a whole lot. You're kind of like hiding out and not wanting to go into the real world, but you just do it. So thank you. Thank you. else have a thought uh, they'd like to share? Oh, is there some, someone online? Aha. I'll see if I can read. Mary says, this church and your messages have really helped me to traverse the past year and lifted me up at some of the most discouraging and dark times with the divisiveness and negativity around the pandemic and politics. This place has been a remarkable source of light and hope. Thank you for making this a place that renews my faith in the church and my hope for humanity. You are all so appreciated. Thank you, Mary. That appreciation extends right back to you. And there may be more comments. Apologies, it's a little tricky for me to catch them, but so grateful for all our friends who continue to join us online at this time. And so glad we have the ability uh, to stay connected in that way. The Holy Gospel according to Mark 12, Mark 12, 41 to 44. He, that is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watching the crowd putting, and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth about a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. For the word of God in Scripture for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. The website uh, Church Fuel describes itself as an organization helping you strengthen the daily business of your church. The daily business of church. <laughs> Most of us sort of cringe at hearing the words business and church together uh, in the same sentence a little bit. Uh, but churches do have to deal with organizational structures, staffing, budgets, and things like that, as do businesses. But of course, a business is often about uh, the bottom line of making a profit, making money, and the church we trust is about something more. In any case, on the Churchfield website, I found an interesting article entitled, Three Things Every Church Donor Wants. 
three things every church donor wants. One, to be thanked. To be thanked. That makes sense. We all like to be acknowledged uh, when we contribute to something. Number two, to know what their donation is doing. Again, that makes a lot of sense. People like to know when they're giving, it makes an impact. Number three, donors want inside information about the church. <laughs> that sounds right, doesn't it? Um, they want to know what's going on. It should get inside information before perhaps others. Special privileges if we're going to be donors after all. Well, in our story today, the part that the gospel writer leaves out is that the widow, after making her donation, followed up with the priest to get a full report on their ministry <laughs> and exactly how her donation was being used to help with the, the work uh, going on there at the temple. She demanded to now sit on the board and be given the latest information before everybody else. Of course, a kid. But our text today is about generosity and about an incredible gift. And what is a gift? What is a gift? Merriam-Webster describes a gift as something voluntarily transferred by one person to another without compensation. Another definition is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. And think about perhaps gifts that you've received, maybe a, a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, or something on some or other special occasion. We've all given and received gifts. The French philosopher Jacques Derrida wonders whether a gift is actually, a true gift is actually impossible. Whether a gift is an impossibility. And he means that as soon as we give something, it sets off, willingly or unwillingly, uh, a circle of exchange. Something is given, and usually a return of some sort seems to be expected. Right? You invite someone over for dinner, and often have the understanding that later this might be reciprocated. Consciously, subconsciously, it's there, right, when we do things like that, whether we intend it or not. And at the very least, you expect to be thanked, you expect to know what good thing came out of the gift that you gave, you want to know that it's being used well and appreciated, and you want to be kept in the loop about how your gift is, is being used. There is an expectation, in other words, whether we want it to be or not, right, when we give a gift, there's an expectation. And similarly, the one receiving the gift, it sets off this sense of obligation. Well, I better use this well, or I will seem unappreciated. So I better respond with the proper gratitude, and without being too obvious or quick about it, uh, might need to return the favor at some future date. And so Derrida wonders, is a true gift simply impossible? And what he's imagining is, as a true gift, is one where the giver has zero expectation of return. Can let go and have no attachment whatsoever. And the recipient has no knowledge of the giver and maybe no idea that a gift was even given. Because if they know it's a gift, then they'll suddenly feel all those feelings you get when you get a gift of obligation and so on and so forth. That seems <laughs> unlikely and perhaps uh, impossible, as he says. And I think part of the problem is here is our context of living in a market economy. Mm -hmm. 
right? A market economy, a capitalist economy, where that's exactly how things work, right? You pay for something and you get something in exchange, even if it's just a sincere thank you. I remember when I was five or six on my birthday, and uh, we were sitting in our living room, and our aunt and uncle, my aunt and uncle, were over, and they had a gift for me. And I was sitting cross-legged on the living room floor, opening my gift. Parents are looking on, aunt and uncle looking on with expectation. And I opened it, and it was this uh, wooden fire truck set with little wooden pegs for men. And I looked at the gift, and I looked at my mom, and I said, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who raised this kid? <laughs> well, you can guess how that went over. I was sent to my room immediately and couldn't come out until I could apologize and express my proper gratitude. And of course, when my mom later came to get me out of my room, I was busily playing with my fire truck, which it turns out you apply some imagination, and it was kind of fun after all. And I now have, uh, there was also a truck that came with it, and I still have that little truck, and I keep that on my shelf in my office as a reminder to be grateful. <laughs> or something. <laughs> and so most of us have no problem, right, with the idea of expressing gratitude for a gift. Uh, that seems right, and to not do it seems wrong, and I don't want to argue on that front at all. Learn my lesson. <laughs> but is it possible, right, to give a gift with no sense of expectation of return, a gift where the recipient doesn't somehow now feel indebted, obligated. Well, Kester Bruin makes a helpful distinction here on I think what the philosopher Derrida is trying to do, and he differentiates between a commodity of exchange and a gift. A commodity of exchange and a gift. And too often we imagine that we're giving a gift. But we have in the back of our minds this underlying sense of this commodity transaction. He tells the story of a church in London, a church which, like many churches, starting to shrink, lose members, and they were thinking, how can we do some evangelism, some outreach, some church growth? And so they hired an agency to help them. The agency had the idea of, well, you should give away hundreds of free hamburgers in the town center. And then, this is part two, uh, have people from your church strategically sitting at picnic tables around the area to strike up conversations with the people as they eat their hamburgers, bring them to Jesus, by which they really meant bring them to our church. And the agency said, normally we would expect a church to invest around 3,000 pounds in this program, but since you're a church that's pretty well to do, how about you do 6,000 pounds uh, to do this mission effort? And so they did. Gave away hundreds of free hamburgers in the town center. And gave them away. How do you think that went? <laughs> well, it turned out it only ended up bringing two people to the church, and they were both former members. <laughs> so it more or less was a complete disaster, and the people who had donated to this effort kind of felt like, they, were, they didn't get their money's worth, right? Again, it wasn't really a gift if you're expecting to get your money's worth and felt like they'd been hacked by this mission agency. And so it didn't go over well at all. And then to compound things, to make things worse, 
It also had the unintended consequence of making some people upset who operate businesses in that town center where their livelihood is dependent on selling food. And now you got all these free food for people who didn't ask for free food and it's undercutting our business and we're trying to make a living here. And so it also created bad relationships with business owners who, and workers who probably could have been potential future members of the church, but now they might think otherwise. And so if we don't get the, the distinction between commodity transaction and gift giving, uh, Bruin says, if we blur that line, it's gonna create all sorts of problems and lead to allegations of manipulation, right? People feel manipulated. It's like, oh, thanks for this free meal. And then you realize maybe there's strings attached. I've also heard of churches giving away uh, MacBook Airs on Sunday morning to, to sort of up the numbers. Uh, we're going to talk about it in our meeting afterwards, you know, as part of our <laughs> growth strategy. So. Just kidding. Just kidding. But again, it's a commodity exchange. We'll give you something if you then do X, Y, or Z. And, and something inside us doesn't feel right, right, when we hear that. Well, in our text today, we have an example of a true gift. A true gift. A widow who puts into the treasury all that she had. And it's worth remembering that widows uh, were among the weakest and most oppressed in the patriarchal world of the first century. They were socially, economically, and politically vulnerable. Right? Often they didn't have a regular and consistent means of income. Uh, they didn't often have any rights to land. They didn't have a voice in uh, the political or uh, religious decisions of the day. And so the money that this widow puts in, as it says, everything she had is probably what she was counting on to make sure there was food on the table in the coming days. Jesus says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all others who are contributing, for they contributed out of their abundance. She gave everything she had. There's an ancient story of a group of pilgrims who are searching for the Holy Land. They wandered for days and they finally came up to an impasse, the bank of a very wide river, an obstacle on their way to the Holy Land. It was too deep to cross and there was nothing to build with, either a raft or a, a bridge or, or something. Well, one of the pilgrims prayed for guidance and a voice was heard, urging each one to give up something that they held dear. Something they held dear. And from this, they could build a raft. For only that which they held dear would be strong enough to hold them up as they crossed into the Holy Land. Well, there was immediate conflict and suspicion, and they were accused of, this person who heard this was accused of trying to steal what mattered most to everyone else in the group. But finally, four of the pilgrims agreed to participate. And each offered something that seemed useless to the others. One a stone, one a feather, one a piece of driftwood, and another a page from an old book. And mysteriously, as they slept, the dearness that they placed in these objects flowed together and they awoke to discover a magnificent raft. Well, once on the other side, the one who had given up the feather heard another voice and it said that the Holy Land was right there, right where they had landed. The four pilgrims, or yeah, the four pilgrims settled on the far bank and they were within view of the others who wouldn't cross. Well, that night, having no other option, they burned the raft so that they could cook their food. And the voice told them that the Holy Land is wherever 
what you hold dear is offered freely. Wherever what you hold dear is offered freely, and then it turns into food to sustain you. And I love that. So often we hold so tightly to things. The question could be asked whether we own them or vice versa. And it's only in the opening of our hands that we discover what truly nourishes. So the story in our text today, I think, is a warning in some ways. A warning against allowing a spiritual capitalism to invade our kingdom mindset. We need to not allow this sort of investment mentality to come into our seeking to live into God's kingdom. It invites us into what John Caputo calls the madness of gift giving. An expenditure that is made madly on behalf of the other and is not dependent on calculated cost accounting. A giving that might look nonsensical to those who are locked into a market mindset. A giving that looks like bringing meals to those who are experiencing homelessness in our community, who have no way to offer anything in exchange for what is given. It might look like Alan showing up week after week serving faithfully at the community kitchen. It might look like Bob driving around our community during COVID, bringing food to people who are without house and home so that they have a warm meal to get them through the day. It might look like Amy inviting us into the making and serving of meals at the refresh program. It might look like Bob and Joan showing up and participating in all of the above. And it might look like Laura and Judy and so many others who are working so hard to make sure that this family who had nowhere else to go has what they need here in our community. And it looks like five years of Holland UCC, the community that has given of itself time and again leading protests, marches, and rallies, lifting up voices for the vulnerable, making space for the included, and donating time and energy and resources to the vulnerable, trying to live into, at least in part, what it means to truly give. What is it Jesus said about this widow? She gave everything she had. That makes zero sense economically. That's a terrible investment. That is madness. That is the impossibility of the gift. And that is what we are invited into. Amen. Amen. May it be so. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Mm-hmm.